0: Welcome to the Wage Indicator podcast, a podcast where we highlight developments, best practices, events, research, and more on global issues on the gig economy. My name is Martijn Arets, and I am your host today. With the conviction... That all workers deserve a fair income under good conditions, the team behind the Wage Indicator Foundation has been working for almost 25 years to bring more transparency to workers, employers, and policymakers worldwide. What originally started with a website with an inclusive wage indicator in the Netherlands has grown into an impressive collection of more than 200 websites with labour market information across 206 countries in more than 50 national languages which in 2021 was visited by more than 40 million people. Wage Indicator has since grown into a worldwide and fully remote organization that collects, analyzes and shares information on actual wages, minimum wages, living wages, labor laws, gig and platform work, collective agreements and much more. Although you see Wage Indicator's work featured in many places, you hardly come across the story behind the organization. Time to change this. For the Wage Indicator podcast, I headed to Bussum to talk to Pauline Osse, co-founder of this initiative. We discussed the story behind the Wage Indicator, data collection in 200 countries, the gig economy, and the global debates. To conclude with a personal look back and forward. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Also check our weekly newsletter and online webinars on the global gig economy. You will find the links in the show notes.
1: I started as a journalist years back, let's say in, when I was 18, 19. In the beginning, I was writing about poetry, about literature. And around when I was 26, 27, started traveling around the world in different countries to make stories. Then I found that social-economical topics were more interesting. And by the way, you could sell them easier than stories on poetry, of course, Um And social-economical issues are still my main topic. The trips which I made were in Central America, Turkey, Southern Africa. And that makes it from that time onwards, I was starting to, well, you can't say it was global yet, but interest for more countries than only the Netherlands.
0: And then about 24 years ago, about, 23, 24 years ago, you started with the wage Indicator Foundation. Can, can you take us back to the moment and also the context yep. of how this started? Um,
1: simple. At that time, I was really aware of the fact that men are earning more than women. And for, so this counted also for me. So if you write a story, if you sell a picture, you get less than man get. I knew at that time, there was so there were some male journalists, they knocked on my door and they said, look, I made a lovely checker to inform you about salaries and can you look at it, maybe you like it. And I looked at it and I said, well, it's great, but it's only for you. When you're a white male and you're high educated, then it's great, but if you female and on top of it if you run a household together with child minders and somebody who's cleaning the house, then these all these women, including me, are not part of your salary information or your salary check. So nice idea but you can do it better I try and do it better so that was the first trigger that is 1998 at that time I was working on setting up a website for the trade union movement in the Netherlands and obviously salary was it was something interesting also because step-by-step users of these sites learned me that stories they're not looking for stories they look for numbers they look for facts that was then 23 24 years ago so knowing that you for such a site for the trade union movement would be very good to have proper information about what is your salary what is exactly your salary and then for sure it's cooler to have salaries not only for male but also occupations where many women are in so then we started with a well, it was the loan raiser or Frauen loan as well. So salary information for men and women in different occupations. That's how it started. And, well, it was a bit successful because now we're in 200 countries. Obviously, it was not easy. Well, many years we we didn't have much money, but we were growing step by step, country by country by country. And so, yes, first in Europe, then Latin America, then more Russian-language countries, Asia, and now we cover all Africa as well, Arab world. I would say, yes, we're truly global. Just a couple of countries, not yet.
0: And you started with the Netherlands. What made it that you thought, okay, Netherlands, okay, check, we did it, but I want to do it in more countries?
1: Well, you start where you, well, I'm Dutch, so that's the first step. You have to learn how to do it. So the first salary check, you 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 can't set it up right away global. And for us, it was like, that is too difficult. And then on top, so I worked from the beginning together with Kea Teynes, a, a lady professor from University of Amsterdam. And I knew her from, well, just from quotes when I was writing stories on, on the labor market. And I said, she's a, at least a bit a technical professor and there are not that many technicals. So I spoke with her and I said, look, what do you think about setting up a salary check? And right away said, oh, that's great. And we have information on collective agreements. And we know this and that and occupations. and So So she was super enthusiastic from the beginning. Now, many people tell you you should work only in countries what pays off. And what pays off the US, the UK, Belgium, Germany, let's say the richer countries and so far, until now, I'm very happy that we insisted on continuing doing all countries. So you, if you want to have all women in your household, or all people in the Netherlands, then it's also about all people in the world. So it's including North Korea, it's including all regions in China, all regions in Russia. So all countries where our political problems, we're also there because there are also people. So we, it, we, if we talk about inclusive, we mean it's inclusive. And that was already really from the start so let's say 20 years back.
0: But it sounds, of course like okay we started at one and we end uh, at 200 plus uh, in 23 years. that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, quite a short recap. So how how did you start also because what you say okay we are basic in Netherlands because you're Dutch I'm Dutch mm. too as people may, might hear. So then you have your connections then it's easier to start within the context but how do you also bring it to other countries other cultures how do you collaborate
1: well uh, this is the type of questions people ask us very very often how do you get your network where is your network how do you know well if you have been working in international journalism you have a network I mean, it's common. Then you work with where you travel, you find other journalists and you you talk with them. So, and in journalism, there are international networks. In the trade union movement, where I worked for the, to set up their site, they are international as well. So they have global networks, and that's maybe not including all countries in the world, but quite a lot. Universities also have networks, more European but also they work on international networks as well. And for me, it was always clear that if you do it in one country, you do it good, then you can extend it to other countries. And Europe, And well, why stay in Europe? So then you take the principle that any in any country where people are living, they should have good information as well. Where at, in 2000, lots of information which we have on the side on labor, whether it's labor law or salaries or so, wasn't structured in the Netherlands as well at that time and still in many countries this information is not properly structured, which means when you live in Togo and you would like to tell your kids what is the minimum wage in, in my country or what is the labour law, then you it's a bit of a battle. And thanks to our size, let's say, fathers, mothers, families, they have an access to show their family members, their children, well, their colleagues. What is the situation of the labor market? What What are your rights? What is the salary information, etc. So it's well. You can say we take it serious. If we talk about people, then we talk about people and not just a few.
0: Yeah, and we talk when we talk about global. We talk about more than only U.S. and Europe.
1: Yes. It's, so we just come out of a conference where they said yes, yes, yes. We are global, and now our. That's a standard joke. Is well, how many countries? And if it's done five or nine or so, then we say, "Okay, five countries," because that's not global. We think and so. Global is global.
0: Yeah. And where does Waste Indicator stands now? Because it is now quite a international organization. Many people working here, are fully remote.
1: I think it, if it comes to style and atmosphere, not much has changed. It's still a, an organization where. Let's say the majority of people love to work. Once people start to work with wage indicator, they don't want to leave. And for us, it seems to be not a problem. They can just stay because there are plenty of countries. There's plenty of work all the time, and the atmosphere is lovely and funny very creative it looks like it's a big group of lego constructors who are ongoing working on an extra database an extra page an extra so it's a it's a group of well they're not all geeks but a group of people who love to construct to build to create and that's probably because they do it remotely they can stand each other much longer because then it's more fun and you're not next to each other all the time as I was used to at the newspaper that you sit next to each other in one row and then it's more tough to stand each other all day. For us, it's easy because if you're well, if you fed up of your... Where you get your colleagues, well, you you turn your back, you do something else, and next day maybe you can talk, and you don't have to see them all the time or to smell them all the time, or so. So, the effect is that you enjoy very much to work truly around the world on whatever topic. We launched the site this today, and then people from all over Europe, in this case, well, no, also India, were working on on the site to get it launched, and that is for us. It's it's very common that you always have people from wherever country who who team up so we used in that sense also to be inclusive it's for us different colors different genders different ages it seems to be part of wage indicator and that's probably the fun of wage indicator as well
0: yeah <clears throat> i really uh, recognize the, the word fun in this
1: yeah but it's it's well, like the conference we had the last couple of days... then somebody said, well, if you start working with Wage Indicator... ...you see in a few days you ask some questions... ...and then you see in a few days back answers back in a Google Sheet... ...and you see answers from a couple of key people in an, in the organisation... ...and they respond and they do it fast and with jokes. And the fact that they, they do it so quick and so diverse... And so transparent that seems to be unique, and I think it's funny that we do it like that, especially when you start working with big firms, whether big consultancy firms or big multinationals, where we think, well, yes, of course we are multinational, but a micro multinational. <laughs> so yes, and then it's a kind of cool because we still do how we want it, and it's still not, uh, we still not a bureaucracy, and that is, of course, what you want. I never, never will be. <laughs> yeah.
0: And how many people do, do now are involved with the organization?
1: Usually we say we're in 200 countries, which is true in terms of sites and one database, but not for all databases, of course, because it would be that's a bit too much. And at this moment, we say we have 100 people who work with us, 40 of them. It's a real core team of people who are full-time working with us throughout the world. And let's say 40 and 60 who work maybe a couple of days a week or a couple of months in a year. And on top, at this moment, we have 160 interns from five universities around the world. And these interns never work full-time. They work a a day a a week for six or seven months or so. And these interns, they give, uh, I think, the extra flavor of the organization... Because they not really have to work they mainly have to learn, but they come with questions you won't expect and sometimes they're super smart and then it's just it's great to work with them to fix something new so they they bring a lot of freshness joy let's say a new side on, on the world, and they're sometimes very young they're nineteen or twenty or twenty one and very good. So that's the other joy of the organization or so. So roughly 250, I think, in total. If it comes to data collectors around the world, so people who do the data collection by food, what is the price of sugar or what is the price of a house, etc., then we're even over over it. Then sometimes we're up to 300 people who do for one quarter data collection. So it's quite a lot of people.
0: Yeah, but still quite informal, quite also fragmented. Online, yeah. I think, yeah. also maybe for many people from the outside, also yeah. not really good visible how many people work there. Mm-hmm. What's it? Two hundred countries, two hundred websites. Oh. What else? On the websites, fifty national languages. Over 40 million people visit the websites in two thousand twenty-one. Mm-hmm. So that's that are serious numbers.
1: Yeah, but look, you don't have to feed them all every day at your own kitchen table. And I think, thanks to internet, thanks to Zoom you can do this. Let's say in 20 or 30 years back, and maybe some firms still work like that, if you have all these people in the Netherlands because you think you're a Dutch organisation, then it would be totally different and extremely costly. But all these interns, all these people, they live in their own country. Because they live there, we think they, they create much more quality because they work in their own language, they know about their country... And it's not that they, because they think they should come from Colombia to Amsterdam and live from here and then work on Colombia. So they they are all rooted. And in the same time, we connect them together through internet or email, WhatsApp, Zoom. We connect them together and therefore we talk and work on, on, on the site. We have, well, we're quite structured from the beginning, I must say. Structured in the sense that all sides have the same backbone, all languages we call them the same. So everything is coded, whether it's a country, a region, an occupation. Everything is coded in our our let's say wage indicator. And especially the gig teams, they they mainly talking code, codes as well because that's their that's their world. And so, but that's the fun of wage indicator as well that you have a gig team and you have the journalists who write about it and all rooted in their language in their countries etc
0: so in the in the end also the the basic foundation of structure also facilitates that we can work the way we want what we do now now
1: i think well we let's say to have a global foundation i think it's not even possible so then you start with a dutch foundation because it seems to be easier to do it to do it like that and we There is at this moment not a reason to go to another country. This seems to work. So that is fine. And still you can have that, that whole network. But look, we realize step by step that the way we organize our organization doesn't <laughs> seem to be so common. That not well. Honestly, we don't know other organizations who are really structured as we are, and then for two hundred countries. But we don't care as long as everybody's happy. As long as we have perfect auditing reports and etc. So we can't be blamed because we do. We do what has to be done legally correct. We do it. We make money. So. People are happy. They don't want to go somewhere else. they rather stay with us. So so what's wrong with it? They're happy and rather have a happy team than a boring bureaucratic team with people who are very, very sour. So it's, it's possible, but, well, that's the secret of waiting. Indicator.
0: And when you look at the data collection process, uh, can you also tell me how this process looks like?
1: Well, we have different... Databases. So let's say database on on labor law. Or obviously, it's a database which you then you collect the data on labor law, and you don't have to go by foot along the doors to to check how it is. The database on minimum wage wages same. You you don't have to go out. You can do it either on the internet or by calling and making a network throughout the world to make sure that you have all minimum wages all the time exactly on the same day. As that When they are starting as a new minimum wage, we have it online. If it comes to salaries and to prices, obviously it's different. <clears throat> because these, like salaries and prices, you have to collect them. Salary by salary by salary and price by price by price. And therefore we use surveys in which you start with the first question, what is your job? And when you know the job, then you can ask how many people are working and... Finally, what, what, how much they earn, whether they're happy in a job, what, let's say all that, and so that is a, a coll- very systematic data collection on salaries in relation to a job, and for prices that relates to the living wage database. Then we have everywhere in the world exactly the same survey, but we also know that people in Nigeria they they prefer jam and people in vietnam they prefer rice so in in vietnam they skip even the word jam because they don't even know it so we have tricks because we know how people include or or complete surveys and on that way that way our systems can be the same of course the back end is coded uh, exactly the same front end people will think yeah it's really a survey in vietnam or in nigeria but we use, the, let's say, the, the, the outcome different. We, I think we mainly can do it because we think a bit structured. You won't believe it, but we think very structured.
0: Yeah. And so, so, so you already mentioned now living, living wages. So you have living wages, living income, and living tariff. Can you tell me something mm. about, about these three terms?
1: So, well, we started with the salaries, then the labor law, and then minimum wages minimum wage database we started because when we were well i know, remember that we were launching a site in paraguay and then there was a big big group of people in front of us drinking their mate, and they said well it's cool what you do with your salary check but better talk about minimum wage because it's more realistic so that's where we learned that the minimum wage is cool a few years later there was a government who said well you know what you should do you should work on living wages because they are important. Then I said, "Well, living wage may be important, but then collective agreements might be more important than a living wage because a living wage is also—it's a dream. It's not statutory. It's not legal. It's—it's it's just what you hope you, you people get." And well, anyway, at that time we started both a collective agreement database because we thought it's important, and a living wage database, and we started it step by step by collecting data and doing some tests with our statisticians, tests on what we could calculate on existing databases around the world. So our first report on living wages was a report on 100 countries because we thought it's cool to say that you're in benchmarks for 100 countries. was the first report. After that, we... Well, that was 2014 in the end, that report. We improved and improved and improved, but the first survey we started with is basically the survey which we use still. Of course, we have some extra chapters in that survey, but it's the same. We use these living wages and living income now, living tariff, we use it to show workers, employers, governments, multinationals, NGOs, what is the minimum wage so what is the legal minimum wage and what should be the level of a wage of let's say what should be the levels of the lowest wage we call that a living wage or let's say a basic living wage it's needed because still a hell of a lot of people let's say 80% of the people in the world have a minimum wage was really not enough there are gaps still 18-90% and then so it's, so a living wage is needed to well, not to get fat, but to at least to have some food, a house, um, maybe a bike or so. So, so it's, it's about the basic, so it's again about doing it not only for the Dutch people, but for everybody focus on well have a, having a reasonable life to start with. And so that's a living wage. So a living wage is basically for people who have an employer whether it's a formal or informal employer, that for us that's not so important. It's important that there is someone else who's paying you to do a job and then you get a living wage. Living income is much more for those, let's say, think about parents or two people who have the grocery store around the corner together. They should get together a living income. And if you think about farmers who have a farm and well, maybe some side jobs here and there, then it's for them. It's a living wage. Is not doesn't work um, because they have not the hierarchy in it. So they work together on, on the farm or in the shop. Then you have the living income. So we calculate for them a living income. Next to that, so if you so now we have a living wage, a living income, and the group who is growing a lot. Uh, is a group of geek workers around the world. And these geek workers, they could be the domestic workers, but it also could be people who work behind a laptop the whole day and send their stuff to the US or South Africa or whatever where. And it could be the bikers and riders, which we know as well as as the traditional uh, geek workers. For them, the the living wage doesn't apply, the living income doesn't apply. So they basically need another... out of the same database of prices which we have, the same database of cost of living, basically. So there we created the new construct. Ideally, in the end, but that's the level wealth, and you will never have that, of course. But ideally, then you can say any person who has an income could either relate to a living wage or a living income or a living tariff for a minimum, huh? Thank God there are many people who are above. But there are also many people below. And for those below, it's good to say, well, it would be nice to focus on that level because it's more fair.
0: And the living tariff, that's, that's, that's a company that's now under, under development. So we'll also roll out the next months and years.
1: Yeah. Living, let's say the living wages there. We sell it even since 2018, let's say on large scale and to big firms in with 120 or 140 countries, so many locations. Living income, we sell mainly now to, to big firms with, let's say, tobacco firms, for instance, and they have many farms around the world, so we sell it to them. Living tariff, we started with it as well because there were a couple of platform companies. They, well, we, we spoke with them and said, look, what you're doing with a living wage, it's not enough because you should pay your bikers for the bike or for the petrol, or if they need a helmet, you should pay that. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, we don't know yet how to do that. And so so then we started, that's three, four years ago, so we started collecting for them in price information on price of the laptop, the, the car, the bike, et cetera, to have the so-called occupational-related cost so that's where where we started once we had that we said well but it's 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 not enough because if you do it proper a geek worker should have pension unemployment some cash when they're sick or well to to use when they can't work they need some some money to to continue when when they have to wait because not every job is there ongoing exactly 40 hours in the same time. So for waiting, but also for acquisition, for administration. So we build a full construct of a living living tariff. And that living tariff, we use it in the Netherlands to test, accept it. And now we roll it out in, in Indonesia, in Kenya, in Bangladesh to well to test more to talk with people as well and say is this construct what we what we well created in our head is that also something you can use so that is where we are now i think by august this year so 2023 we have a living tariff in many many countries well then you hope that people use it and that they get that living tariff per hour but that's always the next step. But you have to start somewhere with a reference point.
0: Yeah, and I think that it, that's also what's really strong in what you're doing, just start somewhere and then see how it can help other people.
1: Yeah, but it's not that I have something in my head and that I think, oh, I'm going to help people or so. That is Because I, I think that's super arrogant that mm-hmm. like you all the time think, well, I'm going to help you. It's A lot of the basis of what we do is, is about construction, about, hey, this is a cool idea, let's see how it works. Let's make it happen. The joy is creation. And if that creation helps to make people uh, happy, that's even cooler.
0: And in the end, talking about trying new things, the gig economy. So a couple of years ago, Wage Indicator also started a gig economy focus so as, as one yeah. of the many focuses of the of the organization. Why then did you thought that gig economy was something that the Wage Indicator needed to attention for
1: well i think it's logic we have a lot of knowledge about the labor law and about minimum wages we have a lot of knowledge about salaries and well and collective agreement and that looks like we have a heavy focus on the formally informal economy but in the same time we work in many many countries where the economy is not that formal we created even an informality index so we know more than anyone else that formal and informal is something which is everywhere in all countries a bit and in all jobs a bit it's a bit formal and it's a bit informal the what is interesting of the gig economy is that it it's a it's an attempt to create let's say a new route in the in the labor market so it's it's not a job. It's not a self-employed job. It's some somewhere, something in between. There is not an formally there is not an employer because there is an, a platform. So from that point of view, it's 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 a fascinating construct when you work in the in labour market in, in issues and when you work with these databases. So, if, well, that was for me a reason to say, well, wow, this this is super cool to to explore. We had people who knocked on our door and said, well, you should work on the gig economy and start collecting prices or wages of gig workers because no one else can do it than you. So some outsiders each time encourage us as well to to do something, but then still, if they encourage you, that doesn't mean you can start because you first need to have an idea what to do. What I see the way we have been working on it is um, that you step by step... Develop a kind of a extra way for the geek worker. It's not that a geek worker should be employed by one platform because, well, listen to geek workers, not all have the super aim of being employed by one employer. They prefer to have more gigs or more employers or prefer to work when they like to work. So if you listen to these people and I rather I think you should listen to them then you need to to develop a construct which fits for their work and obviously it should be a construct which is a bit fair but fair should not be a straight jacket because you think that that's what they need to do so that's exactly the reason that we started this gig project to explore it to see where it works how it works what what geek workers want, what the platform owners want, what are good examples and well, of course, we follow the court cases, but that's because we are a bit legal oriented as well, but the like the living tariff is the is the answer or is it attempt of an answer to have a kind of a fairness in it? I wouldn't say protection, but a kind of a fairness in their income, and it comes out of that we Well, we know something about the labor market, so we think we are entitled to make, to create such a construct as a living tariff.
0: And how do you then also look to the debate on gig economy? There's much, much attention from almost all stakeholders, but also with your background, you also know, okay, but most gigs that are executed already exist for for, for many years, like domestic cleaning, delivery. Before that, probably nobody cared about delivery people or domestic cleaners. Now they're platforms, now they do. But they still position it itself like a planet gig, which is, of course, we all know, nonsense. How do you then look to this this discussion and 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 all these stakeholders try to be involved and yeah?
1: Well, I think well, I'm not super young anymore, but uh, so that is how how the world works. There is always a new invention, and then it's cooler for the people who work now on on a topic to to think that it's totally new, and so that is. And so, therefore, they think geek is totally new. But listen, I come from 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 journalism, and that is the ultimate geek, because you you every night you have your story. In the beginning, it was paid by, by by word, so that is that is a super geek construction. And I realize that. So that could be another reason that I I think let's say the platform work as it is presented now. That I say, well, I've seen seen this before that you try to improve situation of of gig workers i think it's good if it is the tendency to put let's say the workers in a straitjacket of being employed and do what the employer says and employers be or, or platform platforms as employers i don't know why not looking for another way and it, it's not that all platforms are bad it's not that all gig workers are poor and not well off so let's invent a new way,
0: and also think about the context of this development. Because yeah. in the end, what's also news Dorn, from Dorne, a professor from Amsterdam University yeah. also say, okay, the alternative for many gig workers is another shitty job. So it's yeah. not that that yeah. alternative is a well protected job, hmm. and also you can make things better for gig workers. But what then with people in in informal markets yeah, who so do the you, same work?
1: You can be super arrogant and think that you organize the whole world, but we know. And because we work, let's say, in this gig project, also super global again, and it's then it's very nice to see that you have gig workers in Cote d'Ivoire or in Laos or wherever in the world. And well, Brits and Americans would think that that the gig or platform economy is only in their countries, but it's everywhere in the world. And it's true that in many countries, these kind of more organized jobs. In uh, through a platform, I've very much preferred uh, above, well, having really uh, geeks, super un- unorganized geeks. So yes, it's it's, but it's I think it's a phenomenon. It's very interesting to see what happens, and it is, if you picture yourself with platform workers, with a laptop far out, either in Malaysia or in Indonesia, way stronger working for. Uh, Let's say for the Dutch economy or for the American economy. They work from there. If they unite good, then they can ask more and smart them out. They don't have to go there anymore. They can stay and work with the kids in Malaysia or in Pakistan or in the Philippines, earn their money, and then they're much more liberated. Mm-hmm. So it it has options which were not there before. And if trade unions have the attitude of that they want to protect these workers by, well, making sure that there is no job for them anymore, then they're not the right trade unions.
0: Yeah. So you need to be smarter than that. Yeah. Yeah. And now we also launched the Wikipedia, which is also in collaboration with Fair Work and the Leeds Index Platform Labour Protests. Why was this? So where is this well, collaboration coming from? Well, this is
1: a from? typical... Wage indicator project, I would say. Well, when you, so we are global, and when you're global, you always meet organizations who are a kind of global because there are 40 countries, but we are in 200. So then it's good to, to team up and to make sure that you are not competing together, but that you work together, learn from each other, and because of that, you're a stronger force, especially when you would like to inform. Well, workers, but also platform owners and sometimes policy makers when you have a bit of the same target groups, then it's smarter to to team up. so that's why we spoke with Fair work well at least for a year or maybe more on how to team up and step by step by step. Well, we we developed the site and then said, "Look, this is what it could be." And then said, "Wow, okay, let's talk about it another time." So that took that process took a while, but that's well, we're a bit faster in that. Don't ask me why. It's it's because we come from journalism, or so that. But now we have the site together with Fair Work and and University of Leeds, and I think we can present faster and more not only countries where they speak English, but all countries in the world. And that's the beauty of it. Thanks to all our interns, we can really create huge databases for it because we, our interns come from many countries and they can step by step, if you manage them well, can well collect information no one else could ever think of that you can collect it that fast, but that is, well... It's the beauty of a combination of the interns, smart team members, and structured, structured thinking and structured databases. And the result is, uh, is super cool.
0: Yeah. And uh, talking about you, because uh, you're now involved with the organization for about 24 years about. Mm-hmm. So maybe we have a big party maybe in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be nice offline. You, last year, you uh, also did a step back as a uh, director. So, so, why did you do this and, and and also what did it also brought to you?
1: Okay, simple. I think you can't be forever a director. It's good to and have the new generation again or or again and again to so to to make your organization fresh and and young, because if you well we deal now with in, in the discussion on living wages with organizations where you have people who are over eighty and still want to dictate everything and everywhere. So that's not an example. So it's, it's. I think it's better to have a younger generation who's managing the organization. So that's one reason to step back. I'm not. I'm well, not super sick, but I'm not fit. So when you're not fit, it's a bit. I think it's not wise to take the responsibility for a big organization, which means many families. And, so it's a risk, not for me, but for all these people who work for you. So they should not be in that type of risk. So then it's better not to, not to be the boss anymore. But when you're not the boss, that doesn't mean that your brain stop working. So you can continue working. The whole field of living wage where I've been in since 2014, I develop more and more now together with another couple of organizations and process to start publication of living wages everywhere in the world. And that if that works fine, then hopefully in half a year time we have a system that you open our wage indicator site in, let's say, Malawi, and that you can see what is the minimum wage in Malawi, what is the living wage in Malawi, living income or the living tariff in Malawi, and what is the labor law. That is a bit of let's say, the ultimate there to go for that. And then hopefully in the newspapers, the top media in Malawi, our information on minimum wage and living wage is integrated in these sites. So everywhere where people want to find their rights, it's just one click away. So that's a bit the dream. I'm still working on it and working on it with many multinationals as well to get that done. To get that done is, a well, it's super cool to come to that level. I never thought 25 years ago that I would would be there. And Once that is said, still I know that around the world the information on pension is super crappy. Many people have no clue how it works and especially many women around the world are very poor, very, very poor, partly because they always have been poor but women and pension is really a, a golden combination they, well, they don't have much money. So because of that, I think it's needed to have proper information, not only in the Netherlands, but, yes, please, in two other countries. So that's another project. So I'm afraid that I will never really stop working, also because I really like it. It's, so it's not that I have to do it, but I really enjoy it. I enjoy the creativity of, of fixing this, doing this. Well, and in our case, we have the the luck that Fiona, our daughter, took took over. So she's now the director, and I can wish everybody everybody who has children to see that your children are doing or taking over the job you do. That is enjoyable to see.
0: Having been part of the Wage indicator gig team myself for over two years now. I experienced the fun and the quirky will fix this mentality of working together that Pauline describes in our conversation. Where many organizations wait until someone else says it's allowed or pays the bill, Wage Indicator has found a mode of using revenue to start new projects that ultimately contribute to the bigger picture and bring back new assignments and collaborations. The solid structure behind the scenes actually allows for a lot of experimentation in front of the scenes and gives everyone in the organization the autonomy to develop new ideas. with great ambition, and at the same time, a pleasant down-to-earth attitude. And all this still with one goal, bringing information and transparency to workers, employers, and policy makers worldwide. A subject that is more than timely and relevant in today's increasing digitized labor market. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Also check our weekly newsletter, and online webinars on the global gig economy. You'll find the links in the show notes. See you next time.